everybody to the very first podcast of the Clinical Social Work Journal. I am very excited to be here today to launch the initial podcast, which I hope will be a wonderful series for clinicians, students, practitioners, researchers, scholars, etc., and anybody within the field, but also outside of the field, because I hope that we're going to be talking about topics that are interesting to a variety of people working within mental health or human services or psychotherapy, et cetera. So I wanted to start off with this podcast to really highlight the outgoing editor-in-chief, Carol Tazone, who is a professor of social work at the Silver School of Social Work at NYU University. And what we wanted to do today is really just talk a little bit about what the journal has been like under Carol and what she has sought to accomplish during her tenure as editor-in-chief. And then we'll talk a little bit more about what my ideas are and where I'm hoping to build and take the journal building on top of Carol's excellent work. So with that, I'd like to welcome Carol to the initial podcast again. Thank you so much, Carol, for being here. And um, is there anything you would like to say just before we get started? No, I I think your opening statement, um, to my mind, really has to do with why you are now the editor of the journal, because I think Um, taking this to the social media platforms in a more extensive way is really one of the directions that the journal needs to go in. So thank you so much for doing this podcast, and I'm honored to be the first guest. Well, excellent. Okay, well, what my first question for you is, how would you describe the journal? In what ways has it changed over the last 15 years since you took over as editor-in-chief? Uh, it's changed in a way that it's very difficult to recognize what it began as. When I took over the journal, um, we were extremely low in the rankings. We were next to last. Um, People thought that the journal was only, and at the time it was geared towards practitioners who were working privately rather than agency-based practitioners. Um, And it was also associated with the... um, Clinical Social Work Federation, uh, an organization which is now defunct. So it became one of the venues where people could publish related to that. The organization um, fell out of existence. Uh, We've had a loose affiliation with the American Association for Psychoanalysis and Clinical Social Work. Um, But for the most part, the journal has now been... uh, standing on its own, not necessarily connected with a organization, which in some ways has been great because it gives you more license to kind of publish whatever comes along your way, uh, whatever direction you want to take it. So in the beginning, um, the journal published very few articles, uh, maybe four to six an issue, um, and they were basically case presentations. So somebody would be presenting a case that they worked with, there was some issue they wanted to highlight, 
There was a literature search, but very different. Um, now, if someone is submitting that, uh, their observations have to be grounded in research. They have to be doing a thorough literature review. So you can't just be commenting on what you found interesting or useful. There has to be, uh, it has to be much more grounded in an evidence-based practice. So that's the most significant change I would say that's happened to the field. And as a result, the journal because of that. Um, so in terms of the changes, I expanded the editorial board to have it more academically grounded. It was mostly practitioners that were on the editorial board and now it's uh, more academics changed it so it had a more global presence, um, increase the reviewer pool so that people who are reviewing were uh, reviewing um, manuscripts where they now had an expertise in it. So there, you know, there've been a lot, a lot of changes, but I think the biggest change that has driven the journal has been um, evidence-based practice. So that has really brought about a shift. And so how would you describe its identity or its niche within social work? Because there are obviously there are lots of social work journals. And what would you say is its specialty or its niche area? Well, I think in the first word of the journal, clinical. And by that, I mean that um, many of the other journals focus primarily on research. Uh, they may focus on uh, qualitative research, quantitative, et cetera. And I think for us, what we've been able to do is maintain the identity that we are grounded in practice. So that um, in making a decision about a manuscript, one thing that I've been guided by is the idea that is this, um, does it relate to an intervention that will bring about change for people who are working with vulnerable populations. To me, that's the core of the field. So if we're not doing that, if an article doesn't address that, it isn't suitable for the journal. So it's really about innovations um, and innovations related to interventions and also how does it benefit populations at risk. So it sounds like what you've really done is tried to make sure it stays true to what clinical social work is focused on, sort of interventions, thinking about how do we intervene, but also really consistent with the social work values and mission statement of thinking about at-risk and vulnerable populations and making sure that whatever comes into the journal has some um, focus on one of those areas in order for it to really be a good fit for this particular journal. Absolutely. I think um, one of the myths that I've really tempted to dispel is that clinical social work is only working with um, well-to-do clients in private practice. And I think that's been an important shift in the journal and that we've shown it's much more expansive. We have more of a systemic approach to looking at social work as well as agency-based practice. Mm -hmm. um, so that I would say has really been the biggest change so that people can see that a lot of the principles that have been applied in relation to more well-to-do populations can be applied as well to 
um, those in, in greater need in all kinds of ways and all types of diversity. It's interesting because I think within social work, um, I think there's a stereotype that clinical social workers are focused so much on private practice and sort of the, the worried well, but outside of social work, people have such a perception and stereotype of social workers of working only for child protection mm-hmm. services and not really even understanding that clinical social workers run the gamut from working in medical settings to school settings to community-based organization to doing outreach with vulnerable populations like people with housing insecurity, as well as private practice. And I think that we really struggle as a, as a profession, I think both within and outside of our profession to have people really understand the scope. And so I appreciate what you're saying that it's been something that you've been very intentional around in terms of trying to ensure that the journal reflects a breadth of social work practice, as well as staying true to the mission of still working with vulnerable and at-risk populations. Mm -hmm. Yes, I would say that's the most important thing and something I hope that you will continue in your work. In other words, that demonstrating that clinical is for everybody, you know, and to dispel, you know, there are misperceptions around it. And I think you're absolutely right. We, we're really kind of fighting on two fronts. On one hand, to see the relevance of what clinical social work can do for traditional social work populations, as well as to let others get a sense of the depth and um, you know the breadth of so clinical social work practice because they think it is simply handing out welfare checks, you know, a total misperception of really what we do. So the extent to which you can kind of continue on that venue, I think, is super important for our profession. Yeah, no, I I agree. I uh, it's it it is a really good reminder for me as I think about manuscripts coming in. And one of the things I'm always looking for having taken over this role is this role is, are they talking about social work and are they talking about clinical social work? And um, you told me at the beginning, I'm gonna get a lot of articles that don't have anything to do with social work. And it's true, people submit to the journal without, I think even looking at the aims or scope Mm -hmm. of what we're about. And it is surprising given the title of the journal, Clinical Social Work Journal, that the number of manuscripts that are sent that really have nothing to do with either the profession, even when they're written by social workers, I'm seeing that some people are writing more, way more generically, which I think is fine. But again, given that this is the Clinical Social Work Journal, how does it relate to our profession, our training, our education, our practice? Because we do have a unique, and I personally think a the best perspective in terms of how do we intervene with people because we are person and environment. We are always thinking about the biopsychosocial spiritual assessment. We're thinking systemically whenever we're um, intervening clinically 
And I just don't think other professionals have that kind of training. And therefore I would really want all articles in the journal to really reflect our unique perspective. Yes, it can be applied to lots of other professionals, but given who we are, it is important that our identity be highlighted and noted in the discussion or the introduction, or at least sort of future directions for research. Yeah, absolutely. And I and I'm it's music to my ears to hear that you're really continuing in, in that vein. Um, one of the things that I found during my tenure is that a lot of people will submit to the journal because we're in social work, they think it's going to be easier. So we get a lot of other mental health disciplines, psychiatrists, psychologists, uh-huh. even people unrelated, anthropologists, we've gotten all kinds of submissions, thinking it will be easier to submit to our journal. So that's another myth that I wanted to dispel during my tenure. In other words, that it's gotta be, if it's research, it's gotta be quality research. And also how does it pertain to someone um, sitting in an office working with their client? If If you can't find some direct benefit, it doesn't fit the journal. And um, my companion along the way for these 15 years, um, I can't thank enough, has been uh, Carol Ganser. Uh, Carol Ganser has been in practice for many, many years, both in agency-based practice, supervisor, administrator, et cetera. And so for each manuscript that we, we would go over, that would be the question, how is somebody gonna use this? And if the answer was, it did the information wasn't useful, uh, didn't make a difference, it wasn't accepted, even if it was a beautifully written paper. So I thank Carol very much for um, keeping me on track, if you will, mm-hmm. toward that goal. So what do you see as some of the challenges that the journal faces right now? Um, I think one of the things is that we need to uh, be seen as somebody that is front and center in some of the social work grant challenges. So for instance, um, I published uh, two special issues, one around productive aging, one around uh, loneliness and isolation. You know, that were two of the challenges. And I think it's important you know, to go forward with that, to show that we have a place at the table for that discussion. Rather, Mm -hmm. we tend to be seen as like these, um, like our own little niche, and we're not relevant to social work body at large, whereas we really are the center of it, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's all about applied practice. So I think um, that's going to be a big challenge. Another one is to not deter people who are interested in long-term work, who are interested in analytic and other long-term models um, to show that they still have a place at at our table in the journal, because certainly that's kind of how we began. And it's important, I think, not to lose sight of that or the relevance of that and how that could be demonstrated to be relevant in all types of settings and with different populations. So I I see that as a challenge. Another one is to not lose social workers 
because um, when you look at the rankings, the uh, highest ranking journals are actually not social work in the social work field. And that tells you something that a lot of academics certainly are writing for a larger population, you know, a larger venue, if you will, in terms of speaking to other professionals. And they're kind of moving away from their social work identity and embracing that, um, you know, that they are seen as researchers and scientists. And they're kind of forgetting really where we started and what is core to what we do. So um, to my mind, it's, it's re-engaging those people and also re-engaging them in terms of uh, globally, re-engaging them in terms of their own partnerships with other disciplines. So I see that as a big challenge. And also the whole idea of what we're dealing with now are a lot of predatory journals. You know, journals that you, you pay to play, so to speak. Mm. You pay to publish. Um, and there's a lot of confusion for people, especially beginning academics and students. They, they're not able to identify one from the other, you know. And so um, there's, you can publish in so many places in so many ways. So the idea is that we maintain kind of the, the quality of what we're doing and seeing um, and maintain our integrity in that process of increasing competition. Mm -hmm. Those are really good ones for me to note. I think I'm gonna need to re-listen to the podcast and take notes on those. Um, so as, as you look back, given, given these number of challenges and all the things you've tried to accomplish, what would you say you're most proud of when you look back on your tenure as editor-in-chief? Um, I would say that I am most proud that um, people will tell me about an article that made a difference to them in their practice. Um, students have been shaped by the articles in the journal in terms of informing their practice. Um, people have heard of the journal. Um, so I think I'm most proud that the extent to which people interact with its content, that it informs their identity, it enhances their identity, um, it enhances the practice of the people they work with, and it enhances people's lives. I mean, you, you know what I mean? You can't ask for more than that. So that is really, I would say, what I am happiest about. And I think also just the fact that we have gained recognition, the fact that there are core people um, in social work who have poo-pooed uh, clinical social work and the journal have now published in it. <laughs> So that makes me proud that they see it as a legitimate resource for other people and um, a legitimate venue for their work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, to, to know that you're, I mean, often we, we, we put things in journals and who knows who reads them. And so mm -hmm. I would imagine having somebody say, um, that an article that you provided a forum, uh, a place for dissemination would be something that would be incredibly fulfilling and um, a nice way to end your tenure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I mean, what I've tried to do, and I did that with creating special issues, which I know you're continuing to do, and you got some exciting ones in the pipeline, um, mm -hmm. is that it's not, I viewed, I always view the editorship as shepherding the journal. So that my role was um, to really help other people uh, get their recognition, uh, get the best of their work out there for other people. Um, so that I'm just excited by uh, the people who lent their good names to the journal. So that there were, you know, half the issues were special issues on all kinds of topics related to grand challenges and, and whatnot. And, very famous people in the field. So, I mean, that to me has been very important. Um, really helping other people develop their identities, helping other people hone their work. Um, so that's been super important, especially getting um, first time authors involved and interested and thinking they could never write an article. And then, you know, you work with them and you may think I've thought that many times with students in the beginning, like, I don't know how this is ever going to be published. And then working with them again and again and again. And before you know it, you have this beautiful, um, polished work. You see their pride in it and you see the impact it has on others. Mm -hmm. What advice would you give to me as I take on this role? Obviously, you and I have had multiple conversations, but as you, as you are now officially no longer editor-in-chief as of June 1, and mm -hmm. by the way, there is a wonderful editorial that Carol has written that you can find on the website at www.clinicalsocialworkjournal.com if you just Google that. Um, and also you can find links to all of our social media Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, where you can also find links to that editorial. Um, she and I are both runners. And so she used a wonderful metaphor of, of passing the baton. But now that you are officially out of this role, what would you say to me are the one or two key things, advice that you would offer me as I take on this next phase of the journal? Um, I would say to not be shy about your vision or what you want. I would say um, one of the reasons I wanted uh, Melissa was because she's super energetic. Um, as I'm <laughs> completing, you know, uh, my tenure and, and there's, I, and I think it's true. I think you try as hard as you can for as long as you can. But then what happens is you just naturally know you're running out of steam and you need to turn it over to someone who has the energy and the passion and the belief. And I, and I fully believe that about you, Melissa, um, in the sense that you have passion for the clinical social work field. You are a terrific researcher, you're a scholar. So to my mind, you are the, the, the perfect person to pick up the baton where it is, because I think we need to go in all those areas. We need to develop more theoretical models. We need to have top-notch research. We can't afford to be publishing research that is not up to its game, you know, and also your background. 
you have a background from Smith, you know what I mean? So that those analytic roots that certainly I'm wedded in as a psychoanalyst myself, that there's a respect for that and appreciation for what it can do. So for my mind, in terms of um, my advice to you is to use all of your gifts, um, you know, um, in an effort towards enhancing the journal. And I already see you doing that. I mean, the podcast is a terrific idea. You know what I mean? It expands the social media platforms that, that were established, um, you know, uh, a while ago by others who helped me do that. Um, I'm more of a Luddite by nature. So, you know what I mean? But I think you're taking that to the next level. So I think to use all of those platforms to get out the work of the journal and also to allow the journal to have a voice in different things that are going on in terms of social justice issues, in terms of a DEI issues. I think that's very, very important. And I think, um, and I know you are already making a concerted effort in that regard. Um, and so I think that, so that is my advice, like don't hold back on all the gifts and all the excitement that you have. And also it's not a, I think a mistake I made is sometimes we're all so busy and you've gotta be able to engage people um, and I think it was like, at times, everybody's like, yeah, I want to help, but, and you end up doing so much of it by yourself. And I think what's wonderful is you've really assembled a team of associate editors that are really helping you in the process. So, you know, um, they're running with you to, together. I mean, just like the guy who broke the five minute mile mark um, <laughs> in order to do it. I don't know if you remember, he had people that were running in front of him and aside of him to kind of really ensure that he could meet that goal. And I think you've done that. In other words, you've got enough fuel, if you will, for the, um, the efforts that you're undertaking. I like that you ended with a, another running metaphor. Could I tell you? <laughs> you wanna tell me a little bit more about some of the specifics. I'm sure the listeners would love to hear about what you plan for the journal. Yeah, um, thank you. I mean, I have, I've already started to take on a few different tasks and I'm working on others, the podcast obviously being one. The other, like you, I've also tried to increase the editorial board um, in terms of its international presence. We have somebody from Bulgaria, we have somebody from the Czech Republic, we have Australia, we have Israel, we have Hong Kong, Canada. Um, I know I'm missing um, Chile. Um, I, I feel like I'm missing a couple other people, so apologies if you're listening. But I've, so internationally, but also in terms of their expertise, as you said, the journal has historically been a very psychodynamically oriented, and we still definitely want to keep that perspective and very much want to embrace that perspective. As you noted, that those are my roots. I always say psychodynamic is my first love, and I'm very still passionate. This is, it's my primary base um, for how I practice. Um, 
So, but I, we also, the field is changing and the field has CBT and DBT and PCIT and all the other alphabet soup acronyms that you can put together. And I wanted to make sure that it also represents um, different ethnicities and identities in terms of LGBTQI, in terms of race and ethnicity, um, in addition to international backgrounds. So I'm very excited. And again, people can look at the list of the editorial board members on our journal website. And as you noted, I've also um, changed the structure a little bit to have associate editors. And I did this for a couple reasons. One is that I, I wanted to build in, as you said, a team to support me and to bounce ideas off of. And um, while yes, I'm editor in chief, I don't wanna be the sole decision maker for things like guidelines for reviewers and um, mission statements. So I've, I've leaned on them. And also I'm trying to be very inclusive of the editorial board. So we had an annual meeting in February. I hope to have one every year where people get to know everything. I've started a list, um, a Google group for our editorial board so that everybody's aware of updates and I check in with people periodically and pose questions. I'm also really hoping that the editorial board will be engaged in this podcast as well. I'm hoping that they will have reviewed a manuscript that they would really love to do an interview with one of the authors, or there's a topic area that is particularly relevant that they would like to do a podcast. So I'm, I'm hoping that it's going to be, a, as you said, a real team effort and include a whole bunch of different people. The other thing I've done is um, along with the help of the uh, associate editors who, um, again, are listed on the website, but I wanna just give a little shout out to them. It's Ujung Lee from University of Toronto, Michael Lambert from University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, and then Lisa Workmeister-Rosas at UConn. Um, and I wanna thank them so much for taking on that role. So along with their, with their help, we have also expanded the aims and scope um, and the mission of the journal to include issues JEDI, the Justice, Equity, Diversity, Inclusion. And so we've talked about inclusive language. We've talked about making sure that in conclusions and in the discussion, authors are thinking about issues related, related to JEDI. So if, they're talk, if they happen to only have a white only population, what's the impact of that? They should be talking about the limitations and the generalization of how can we think about that differently given that it's just a white population. I don't mean just to minimize, but it's, it doesn't represent everyone. So how, do, how are they making sense of those findings given the sample um, or given the area where they're practicing? Um, the other thing that I'm doing is I've, launched, as you noted, a couple special issues. Um, and I've got, um, those are also on the website. People can find links to those and the call for papers. We have one that is being um, led by one of our editorial board members, Marian Harris. 
on child welfare. But then I'm also working with the president of the Clinical Social Work Association on the national level. And we're, are, we are doing a special issue focused on life after the MSW. So we're going to be including issues topics such as licensure, um, how do you have a social justice oriented practice? Mm -hmm. Should you pursue doctoral education? And if so, should that be a PhD or a DSW? Um, how to think about um, supervision, clinical supervision and other issues that are going to be very focused on new practitioners sort of end of their graduate degree moving into their early career. And that I think it hopefully will be an incredibly useful and um, uh, issue that, that really speaks to a need because I think people are looking for guidance in those areas. Another uh, special issue that I'm doing along with Jim Drisco that I'm very excited about, and I hope that this will launch an initiative for the journal in general, is I know that there are incredible things that social workers are doing, incredible innovations, practices, modifications. They're working with unique populations and they're doing all sorts of different kinds of practice models that there isn't really a place for them to disseminate. There isn't a place for them to share what they're doing. And for many practitioners, um, and I don't mean to make a general statement, but for many, it's difficult for them to know how to write an academic article. So we wanna create an issue that is a slightly different format that allows non-academic practitioners to really showcase what they're doing and talk about the innovations, talk about how they came up with it. How are they measuring it? What did, what did they learn? Why did they decide to develop a new kind of model? And what niche or gap is it filling in their agency that they felt like they needed to do? So we're really looking for people to, to share with us what they're doing and why they're doing what they're doing. And that I hope will then lead to in the future, people to be able to include um, that the, the journal will include other articles going forward, not every single issue necessarily, but as they come in because I really want a platform for clinical social workers to have a space for them to share the innovative work that they're doing. And some of those might be with part, you know, research partnerships, but some of them may not be. Um, and so I wanna have a section in the journal, again, as they come in, maybe social workers at work or um, notes from the field or innovative, practice. I haven't quite figured out the title for that section, but that's, that's another thing. Um, and then the other thing I'm really doing is I'm working in partnership um, with different clinical social work organizations to see if we can um, expand the scope. So for example, um, um, the, I mentioned the Clinical Social Work Association, the special issue that we're doing in partnership. And I've also sent out a survey 
to the Clinical Social Work Association and the American Association for Psychoanalytic Social Workers to hear, to get feedback from them about what they're looking for in the journal. And then I've also just been, I've been working um, with the Institute of um, Clinical Social Work in Chile. And I'm really excited about this partnership and what we, are doing is we're, we just met again on Wednesday um, and one of the members, Paula, is on our editorial board and we're going to be doing a special issue that's gonna be both in Spanish and in English and focus on um, what's happening in Latin America but also the US and Canada in particular with um, social workers who are practicing with Latina or Latinx populations and some of the challenges they face depending on their country, but also because of the unique um, cultural aspects of, of that particular population. So we're going to have um, everything written in Spanish and everything's gonna be reviewed in Spanish and so I'm really excited about that. Um, and the, I, I really appreciate Springer's support in trying to make sure that that can happen. So anyway, those are, that's a lot of- What a wonderfully expansive vision you have for the journal. It's just absolutely phenomenal. I don't think, the, I don't hear one super core issue that's been left out in terms of where we need to go especially as you use the uh, acronym JEDI. I think yeah. it's, it's really, it's very, very apt here. Well, and I'm also, I'm also hoping that through our social media platforms, we've started um, an Instagram page. You had already started a Facebook and Twitter account. I wanna thank the editorial assistant, Grace, who's been working with me who is doing a great job posting things. And um, for those who are interested, you can easily find our um, online first links to that. She's trying to cluster different articles that are coming up for people who are interested in different topics and trying to highlight many different activities that we can related to the journal. We're, we're also following a lot of different organizations and this can be a place for people to go and then get connected to other organizations and individuals. So yeah, I, as you can tell, I have a lot of different ideas. I'm also working on guidelines for reviewers, but that's kind of more on the boring side, but on the, on the back side. But, but I hope that what, by, by creating um, some guidelines for reviewers that that will help our editorial process be more streamlined, more consistent, and also make sure that we are accepting really high quality journals so that reviewers have a sense of what should they be thinking about, what should they be looking for as they're reviewing different manuscripts that come to them. Sounds phenomenal. This I look forward to. I think I think it will. I I wish you a very long and successful tenure, and you're certainly off to a very auspicious start. <laughs> well, we'll see. I'm I'm working on it. Well, I think I think that 
kind of ends where we are today. So I really appreciate, Carol, your time and your input and your mentorship and also your availability to me as I as I take the baton from you um, on as you finished your final lap as we stick to the running metaphors. So anyway, thank you so much and thank you all listeners. And again, you can find all information about the journal on our website at the Clinical Social Work Journal, which is published by Springer. And you can find links to our editorial board, our updated aims and mission statement. You can also find links to all of our special issues and calls for papers, as well as links to all of our social media platforms so that you can stay connected to all of us while you are um, engaging in clinical social work or just even thinking about clinical issues. So thank you again, Carol. And thank you thank to you. all the listeners.